This episode of the Mountaineer Media Podcast is sponsored by Mr. B, the only potato chip made in the great state of West Virginia. Check out their products in your local grocery store or online at mrb.com. All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of the Mountaineer Media Podcast, sponsored by Mr. B, the only potato chip made in the great state of West Virginia. You can find them pretty much anywhere in the state of West Virginia. Local grocery store, certainly online, mrb.com. Cooper Zimmerman with me as always. Coop, what's happening? What's up, man? What's Not going too on? Much. Happy to be here. Yeah, man, as always. So our guest today is Corey Lilly. He is the executive director of economic development I'm getting this all wrong. Cooper, help me out because I've got this all mixed up. No, you had it right. Yeah, he's a director of outdoor economic development for the city of Beckley. Uh, you could also describe him as an entrepreneur, as really as an outdoor enthusiast, as a professional kayaker, as a former professional skier, uh, and really just an all-out West Virginia advocate. Yeah, Corey's a cool, cool dude. Didn't know what to expect with this episode. He reached out to us not long ago and... I think that's how we first was that our first initial conversation was with him over email right and then just kind of it was like perfect timing you know we need let's let's go after him yeah i think we maybe even exchanged dms on instagram um which to me proves even further that hey guys like shoot us ideas shoot us guests like start a conversation we love love uh bouncing you know ideas from you two-way streets worth of you know what we're up to here at mountaineer media um shot us a dm i loved his profile because it looked like he was an all-out like i said an all-out advocate for west virginia all the outdoor type stuff uh and then we scheduled him up and had him on i think we had a phenomenal conversation you know we got to his career like we always do if you guys you know our interviews we try to do a a walkthrough of their life but we also ask them different questions reflecting on the state you know different perspective they have um what they think what they're hopeful for for the future um i think Corey delivered on all fronts he told some cool stories and he really kind of shared behind the scenes look at the work that he actually does uh in, in the advocacy if you will for west virginia yeah yeah no neat neat story and he's got a lot of these great chapters in his life where one started where one ended where one picked up where that ended and how he's kind of got to where he's at today so very insightful interview hey before we get to that episode though we do want to talk about our next endeavor that we hope that you guys will kind of join in with us we are now on patreon and if you don't know much about patreon it is another online service where you can support mountaineer media and with that you will be able to get some behind the scenes content some bonus episodes and we've just launched our second podcast we we laughed when we started it it's called view from the top but if you like all of these interviews that we do view from the top is the inside to the interview it's how we found these guests our take kind of the behind the scenes the step away from the conversation after it's happened and our take on just our our opinions of how it went and we kind of get into the nitty-gritty of each episode a little bit more but it's also 
the it's called view from the top because it's the top-down perspective on everything that Mountaineer Media is doing. So we're going to kind of let you stand on top of the mountain with us and we're going to show you everything that we're working on, every mission and goal that we have and all of these ideas that we want to put forth and that is the platform to do it. So we hope that you join us over there, Patreon. It's actually really easy. If you download the Patreon app, find, you can search Mountaineer Media and then you can pick a tier. This does have a paywall, but that is kind of the way that we're hoping that you support Mountaineer Media. And then you're gonna have a bunch of bonus content. If you want more of us, that is the perfect place to go get more of us because you're gonna get a couple of extra episodes a month on top of uh, some maybe games and some um, extra content to be determined each month. But it's going to allow us to do something a little bit different and give you more of us and our take on the things that we've done with Mountaineer Media. Well, not just content, right? CJ, if I'm understanding right from what you've been cooking up, potentially discount codes, first looks maybe at merchandise or different maybe giveaways that we're going to be doing. So sure. we hope that, you know, look, guys, if you if you support us by listening, I mean, it's amazing. Thank you so much for even just tuning in right now, uh, supporting Mountaineer Media. If you want to support our Patreon, that is so much appreciated. And we promise that every dollar is going to be injected back into building this platform and continuing to shine light on the state and the people. Um, whatever level of support you want to give us, uh, we truly, truly do appreciate that. But we're going to, and you know, we're rolling it out. We're, we're open to feedback, um, what you guys want more of, less of. But we're going to exactly. try to, we're going to try to jam pack it with value, with maybe merch discounts on mountaineermedia.org, bonus content, different stuff, different uh, takes. Um, so yeah, follow. I'm sure on social we'll guide you uh, how to find it. Um, you know, probably the links in the bio will be easy way to do it. Um, but yeah, it's a, a cool step for us, and it's to me it, it's um, trying to empower people to have uh, more direct access to us, but also influence and shape what Mountaineer Media becomes, and they can become a part of the ride with us. And that's something that's uh, pretty cool for us to to launch. Yeah, I think that's part of the key here too is um, not just bonus content. You do get a sticker. It's actually a pretty sick sticker. Discount codes and ad-free episodes. So the episodes are more concise, but this is almost like your way of buying stock into Mountaineer Media. When you kind of subscribe to the Patreon, we it's it's you have direct access to everything that we're doing and you can ask us questions, send us messages that are easier to access. You 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 have a bit of an ownership within the Mountaineer Media Company and kind of what we're doing. So hopefully you join us there. And like Cooper said, any feedback is great feedback and we appreciate it all. If that's, that, that is the platform for us to do some cool things that maybe step outside of this traditional interview style stuff that we do with the Mountaineer Media Podcast. So hopefully you go check that out, patreon.com backslash Mountaineer Media. That stuff is up and ready to go. Like Cooper said, we'll, we'll make sure that uh, you know how to do it. It's easy, super easy. We'll also have some information in the description. All right, let's get to the episode with Corey Lilly. It's a lot of fun and hopefully you guys enjoy this one. shine in West Virginia, but the people always do.
All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Mountaineer Media Podcast. CJ, good morning to you, sir. Morning, morning. And we've got Corey Luddy. What's up, Corey? How are you, man? Hey, y'all. Hey, thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm super excited. I like that yeah. background you got on here. <laughs> I'm uh, always in the hills of West Virginia. I have a feeling Corey's. I have a feeling Corey's been there before. <laughs> yeah, that's right on my back door, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And you were talking to us from Beckley. And let me get this right. You are the executive director is it of the economic development of Beckley or, or did I get that backwards? Yeah. It, so uh, my title is director of outdoor economic development for the city of Beckley. Gotcha. So okay. it was backwards. Yes, it was backwards. <laughs> Well, you, because you wear many hats, man, and, and a lot of good things, you have a lot of good things going on. So, I mean, you're, you know, you're West Virginia native, obviously, you're a professional kayaker, looks like a bit of an entrepreneur, and looks like now you're in this executive position doing work on behalf of West Virginia. Before we get to all that, man, tell us a little bit about growing up. Like, where are you from? I think I read, I was reading up on you, a couple different uh, pieces that you were featured in. Are you, you're a 10th generation West Virginian, is that correct? Yeah, that, that's correct. On my mother's side and then on my dad's side, um, about six generations. So, yeah, uh, we've kind of been spread out throughout the state, but for the majority of my family's time here in West Virginia, it's been in the southern part of the state, the southern coal fields. And so uh, we had like a little family holler um, out towards Shady Spring um, on a tributary to the New River. And uh, I grew up in that just like pretty much like every other uh, Southern West Virginian um, uh, family were coal miners and uh, grew up hunting and fishing and just so happened that I was on the, the border of a, a state park, a little beaver state park, mm -hmm. and uh, would spend a lot of time riding my bike down there to go fishing and, and hanging out with friends and stuff. And so that, that was kind of the, my, my family's like uh, history around here is that um, you know, coal miners living on a farm, basically, and uh, didn't really have a whole lot of outdoor recreation, kind of like now what you think about outdoor recreation, but we've always been outdoorsy people. It was just kind of like our way of life was uh, living on a farm and living close to Little Beaver State Park and fishing and going down to the New River and fishing and riding horses and hunting and stuff like that. Okay, Some people so call that vacation, you call it Tuesday. Yeah, <laughs> it's every day. CJ, we've got big news here at Mountaineer Media. Mr. B Chips has agreed to stay on board and remain our presenting sponsor for all of 2022. That's easily the best news of 2022 so far. I'm a little biased, I get it, but no, this is huge news for us. And Marianne Kettleson is the CEO of Mr. B Potato Chip, the only potato chip made in the great state of West Virginia. So Marianne, thank you for believing in us. We certainly believe in what you and Mr. B is doing as a whole. And Cooper, Marianne, just like one of the coolest people out there, right? We've spoken with her on a handful of occasions. She's ultra supportive, but she's just like this down to earth, chill person, the queen bee, as we like to say. He's an absolute rock star, guys. Check him out, MrB.com. Find them in your local grocery store. We're so, so uh, proud and supportive of Mr. B because they believe in us and they believe in West Virginia. Cooper, there are a couple of things in life that you really just like can't mess up. You really have to nail it on the head, like buying a car, buying a home, buying an engagement ring, something that you and producer Mason Jack just went through. And both of you guys just bought your rings from 
one of the most trusted jewelry stores in all of West Virginia, and they are now a proud sponsor of Mountaineer Media, Calvin Royals Jewelry. And Cooper, that was a great decision that you made going to them to buy that ring, wasn't it? It absolutely was. It was a little stressful, but I tell you what, once I walked into the doors at Calvin Broyles, I went to their South Charleston location and look, they made it so easy. I was not put under any pressure. I was informed. It was fun. It was uplifting. It was all about creating the best experience for me buying it, but also with my fiance in mind. They listened to me and I ended up getting a great piece of jewelry. And I think you can too. Anybody listening can go to South Charleston, Taze Valley or Beckley, go in there and see Calvin Broyles, mention Mountaineer Media, and I'm sure they're going to get a little smile across their face because they're investing right back in West Virginia. They even have something called the Horton West Virginia Collection and money that comes from that goes towards a scholarship for West Virginia students. So they believe in West Virginia just like we do. Calvin Royals Jewelers, proud partner of Mountaineer Media. Yeah, you can check them out online. They also have stores in Beckley, Taze Valley, and like Cooper said, South Charleston. So check them out online, check them out in stores. But Calvin Broyles Jewelry, proud sponsor of Mountaineer Media. So you said that, you know, being outdoors was something in your family, like everybody that kind of grows up in West Virginia. But how what's the relationship to like some of the more extreme sports? Obviously, you're a huge skier and kayaker, things that you still do today. Like, had anybody in your family introduced you to that? Or was it more of just like casual? You learned how to casually ski and then that just, uh, you know, it kind of yeah, turned it, into it the was, next it organically took place and and what i mean by that is that yeah my family was not into any of this extreme sports stuff i would say they're a little wild and they like to have a good time but <laughs> and that probably uh transmitted into uh like what i like to do not um, flipping kayaks over waterfalls and <laughs> stuff like that right <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and <clears throat> we lived close to a ski resort as well. And, and this is like a really key part is that the ski ski resort happened to have a daycare program called ski week. And what the ski resort ended up being is when my family, my mom or my dad or someone got sick of me and my brother, they would just drop us off at the ski resort and be like, all right, go spend the day. We're going to go do what we need to do. <laughs> and so it was kind of like our, our playground, so to speak. And it was really where we experienced a lot of freedom and like, where we could express ourselves and be creative and was on a pair of skis and um you, you know never thought it was going to be anything until we got these like ski films and there's these vhs ski films like uh, fistful of moguls and the blizzard of oz and it was of these guys in like california <laughs> <The> blizzard of oz <laughs> yeah. Sick. and we got these ski films we're like wow like skiing can be more than just like this backyard sport we didn't really think of it even as a sport it was just something that we were just doing to pass time like the best waste of time really and then we just really took to it and uh started watching these ski films and trying to do what they were doing and we just got really hooked by the the whole like scene and vibe and everything around it and my brother and i my older brother um who i would chase around a lot his group of friends were really into it and so um everyone like after school would basically ride the bus up to the ski resort at winter place and we would just that's where everyone's first jobs were and there was just that was kind of the lifestyle of the youth around uh, the area and by the time i was 13 um i happened to get a uh, international sponsorship with atomic skis uh really by a strike of luck um so my family you know i was raised by uh 
for the most part by um and my grandpa who's illiterate coal miner you know had like holes in his walls and stuff so skiing is pretty expensive sport but luckily at winter place it was fairly cheap um to be able to do it especially if you work there you got a free pass and you can get free rentals and stuff um but then when i got this this sponsorship uh it was the ski resort noticed that i was real passionate about skiing and i was getting pretty good at it and so i was always breaking my skis and trying to like rig them together in these really terrible ways just to keep being able to ski and so one of the uh resort managers reached out to a company and told them about what i was doing and you know there was some video clips of me throwing like flips and things and um so you sent it to this company and then they're like oh wow like this kid's coming out of the southeast and it's west virginia for of all places like yeah let's send him some gear and then that's when it kind of the first step into outdoor recreation like really took place on that kind of really passionate level well cooper i know that you you got a question but so like i'm sure you're not the first kid to like go through you know, and try and do these cool flips and shit at winter place. But were there like bosses and managers there? That's like, ah, uh, there's Corey again. He just tried to <laughs> rip off something, but he crashed into the side there, you know, or like anything. Or, like that. Yeah. <laughs> we, my brother and I, you know, we were like the Lily brothers and uh, we had a, <laughs> such a reputation there because all the best hits like jumps and things that were on the mountain were in between the slopes so we were like jumping over ropes and like, you know, listening to punk rock and, and making it, you know, really fun. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think it was giving a lot of people high blood pressure. And so we uh, developed <laughs> a reputation for just being uh, uh, skiing un- untraditionally. And, uh, you know, they grew to love us eventually, but uh, we definitely uh, rubbed some people the wrong way, maybe when we were a little younger. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so that's all happening. You're 13 in your teenage years. Now, you know, did you go to Woodrow High School? I went to Shady Spring High School. So Shady just Spring. outside of Beckley. Yeah. Gotcha. So then, you know, you're going into high school. Did you start thinking like college, like I'm going to leave West Virginia? Or did you at this point, you're like, wow, like I'm already doing like almost business related stuff. It's related to my passion, West Virginia. Like, were you already on the track of I'm going to like try to stay here and make a career out of this? Or what some of your kind of thoughts as you were developing into a young man, like at like high school in that age? Yeah. So really still at that time, when I got my first international sponsorship, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, this is cool didn't really think much of it. You know, I'm just focused on skiing. I'm like, these people want to give me skis. Okay, whatever. You know, I'll just keep skiing, having a good time. And it was all about just like living free and like living in the moment. I didn't even have like any plans, you know, I just wanted to do the next trick and like, how can I make this more cool? What's the new ski film coming out? Like I wanted to try and ski with my favorite skiers. And and that was my whole mindset. It was just very like rooted in, in that moment. And, uh, I do distinctly remember being like, all right, I'm really going to focus on skiing whenever I was trying out for the middle school basketball team and I didn't make it. <laughs> and I was like, you know, screw it. I'm just going to start skiing. I like that a lot. I was <laughs> More skier. So uh, shout out to whoever the basketball coach was. That yeah. Helped me out. <laughs> um, and then, so. That's like the answer to Michael. That's the anti-Michael Jordan story. <laughs> like you didn't make it, but then you just said, yeah, screw it. I'm doing something else. Yeah. It was really inspiring. Actually. It made me be like, ah, you know, like whatever. I'm going to, I'm going to go do something else. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. um, and when I was uh, approaching like 16 and 17, uh, things started to get a bit more serious because companies were 
wanting to send me like paychecks and things to like start traveling. And I was like, Oh wow. Like, okay. And then they, they sent me on a trip and I ended up connecting with one of the skiers who was in one of those like first ski films I got in the VHS. And he's a legendary skier. His name's Glenn Blake. And he became a really good friend and mentor um, through that time period and, and still is. And uh, he really liked the mentality that we had coming out of West Virginia because we were just very gritty, uh, just very passionate about what it was. And we weren't really uh, at that point, like tied to any of the industries kind of like, um, like less favorable uh, like tendencies, I guess you could say. And so um, we were known, uh, our group of skiers was known as skier track. And so we developed this brand um, that was producing like lifestyle goods called Skier Trash. And it was really focused on um, uh, the, a, a demographic of skiers that wasn't being uh, highlighted. And that was like low income skiers. And Glenn Plake, who was uh, uh, that skier that was in those VHS films and the world's most recognizable skier, he really liked that. And so he took us under his wing and then by the time I was 17 my sponsors were sending in letters uh, for me to be able to graduate high school early um, to be able to ski full-time and so then basically I got out of high school early and then was basically given a, a paycheck to start covering my expenses and a travel uh, cut and then I just started traveling the U.S. skiing full-time and uh wasn't a whole lot of money, but it was pretty good money to be able to live at the age I was totally on my own. And my parents were like, where are these paychecks coming in from? Because <laughs> they had no idea, you know, it would just, all this stuff just kind of happened. And, you know, uh, I was communicating with my sponsors through this thing that I found out called email. And, you know, it was this weird <laughs> thing where I had to log on to a computer and talk to them and make videos and things and it it was just uh kind of all played out like pretty quickly and unexpectedly and my parents uh um didn't really know what to think a whole lot about it and they just were like well I guess he's you know passionate about it and so let's just let him do it and uh, <laughs> it kind of just turned out to be as we'll get to talk about later a whole new thing that now I'm getting to influence my state and help lead it in a lot of different ways. PJ, when we see other West Virginia companies pouring their heart and soul into the mountain state, it really does fire us up. And our sponsor, Building Appalachia, man, I tell you, they're doing exactly that. Go ahead and tell the listeners what exactly Building Appalachia does. Well, if you're looking to buy or sell a home in Kanawha, Putnam, or Cabell counties, definitely reach out to Building Appalachia, buildingappalachia.com. Jordan Christ and Jacob Skinner, we had them on the podcast. They're genuine guys, and they just want to make this part of West Virginia better. They want to connect people with their perfect home, or they want to renovate a home and connect it with who, somebody that it might be their perfect home, the next family that moves in there. So find these guys online, buildingappalachia.com. And if you're looking to buy or sell a home in Kanawha, Putnam, or Cabell counties, these are the guys that you need to get connected with. 
can't help but think that to i mean you know a kid from rural west virginia skiing and all of a sudden like you know the internet's coming of age sponsorships branding marketing that whole social media world of like you know sponsorship type stuff like i'm, I'm sure that's just like for you it's like hell yeah this is like the best case scenario like i just love to ski and here i am getting paid to ski um yeah. were they ever like do, the, do you think you look back where they ever like, Hey, maybe like start looking at a real job. Do you feel like, did you ever have to convince them? Like, Hey, no, like, I think I can, I really make a run at this. Or were they like always like, Hey man, like, you know, keep rocking and rolling. Like you've, you've done great thus far. Or was there ever a pressure to be like, you know, get a corporate job or almost do something a little bit more traditional, if you will. Yeah. Uh, there, there totally was. Um, my parents were really skeptical of it all because, you know, it, especially like someone coming from like a traditional background and my family, they see something as skiing as like maybe like one of a gimmicky type like activity sure. or something, especially like during that time. But now, like as we've seen, it's like Olympic sport, especially freestyle skiing is maybe thought of as gimmicky, but now it's an Olympic sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, definitely at that time, they were like, what are you doing? Like, go to college, like get a job, do something. And uh, I was definitely hard headed, but I also saw w- what was the potential of it and how the industry was growing. And so I was really following my intuition and drive. And uh, really at that point, no one could get him between me and it. So they just kind of had to let it take place. Let, let it roll. Trust yeah, you. So, yeah. So kind of fill in the gaps for us here. Uh, you continued your skiing career. And then how did that all kind of transition into the kayaking stuff? Because you're young doing the skiing stuff, probably not even thinking of doing much on the water. And then mm-hmm. lo and behold, that became a, a, another huge portion of your life. So maybe you can fill in the gaps between yeah. then and, and that. So uh, that kind of pressure to get maybe like a traditional job, I put a personal pressure on myself um, when I experienced a career ending injury in skiing. So basically when I got into the sport, I started getting paychecks. And then a couple years in, I uh, had a head injury that um, really stopped me in my tracks and it really like messed with my mental game and it permanently damaged my vision where I have uh, uh, trouble being able to see. And so I was like, oh, wow. I remember I was living in my van in Colorado and it was after the accident happened. And I remember just laying there, my vision was all messed up. And I'm like, wow, like, you know, it was a moment where a lot of like reflection had to take place and a lot of personal growth. And I was like, okay, like, I'm not invincible, maybe like I thought I was. Um, if my sponsors find out about this, like I might get dropped from my sponsors and so on my paychecks. And so this whole lifestyle that I went from like being this rural kid in West Virginia to making it to like hanging out with all my like favorite professional athletes and hanging out at all these like corporate conferences and like events and going, it was like a VIP experience, you know? and I was like, all that, it was like, I realized it was very fragile. And so I was like, I I really need to maybe get rooted in something else and challenge myself. And so I I switched gears and um, moved back to West Virginia, started school at WVU. And then I eventually got dropped by all my sponsors once they kind of caught wind of that. And so then I was like, kind of back. and uh so I had to like recalibrate who I was as like an individual what I was going to do for the rest of my life um because all my whole identity like everything I was wrapped up in since I was a kid was around skiing you know my parents put me in that ski weed program when I was like three years old and then I 
but that's like all I did was after school and my whole life was think about skiing and do skiing. So it was just like really um, blow to my like identity. Um, so started school at WVU and um, I was didn't know what to study. So I studied geology because I knew I loved mountains. And then when I was <laughs> when I was um, uh, at WVU trying to like figure out just like new ways to like pass times and things. I came across um, the sport of kayaking and a lot of my skills ended up transferring over to it pretty easily, but I was real skeptical because I had this head injury. I had to be like careful of what I was doing, but I realized that the sport of kayaking, which contrary to popular belief is a pretty forgiving sport. You know, it's one of these sports where you're going to like drown or you're separate your shoulder or you'll be all right. Is kind of like how I like to look at it. And so um, I was like, okay, that, like my head, I can be careful with it and conservative and uh, I can, I, I have like something new that I'm fired up on. So I took to the sport of kayaking and a lot of those skills from skiing transferred to kayaking really well, especially like in the mental state of being like under a lot of pressure and learning how to operate mm -hmm. uh, in intense situations. And so by the end of the first year of kayaking, I was like, got really good. Uh, really fast and I was like really surprised myself I'm like wow like okay but I didn't want to wrap myself up in it with like sponsors and everything like I did with skiing um because I, I was like worried about uh like injuries and things but as time progressed I realized that I was able to um uh, ex like exist on a high caliber level in kayaking uh and safely be able to do it and so then a few years in, I accepted uh, a spot on the pro team with Piranha Kayaks and uh, have been with Piranha Kayaks and Immersion Research for the past five years um, since then. Wow. That's what's, crazy, man. So, I mean, some lights, like, you, I could see where after leaving skiing, right, like, you, what that was giving you just mentally, emotionally, physically, right, the adrenaline, that sort of thing, and then having to leave that behind, um, well, also, but then, like, the kayaking basically filled that filled that gap for you, but in maybe, maybe a safer, more, you know, structured way, I guess. Um, did you at any point think, I mean, like, were you the first couple of times you went down, was it kind of like really cautious and you grew confident? And then now I see like you're on your Instagram, if folks want to jump over there, uh, Corey at Corey Lilly, you're flipping over waterfalls to me. So you, you figured out some sort of like comfortability out there. And, and there's a lot of that in West Virginia. Like, are you, are you finding good spots in West Virginia to, to go down these uh, valleys and rivers and whatnot? Yes, it's, it, it definitely, um, it, there was like a gap in my life coming out of kayaking into like school because I wasn't ever really big on school. Um, so I didn't even know that I could do it for the most part. And then I didn't have like something like kayaking. So I remember like going to WVU and walking around and feeling like an alien or something like, wow, like, uh, just like came out of this like really like wild life and it was just this like I got thrown into it and sucked out of it like mm -hmm. that you know and so I had to um, it was like such a blessing to find kayaking and something I could put that energy into and luckily um, West Virginia and this is a big reason why I ended up continuing with whitewater kayaking is because West Virginia has the greatest diversity of whitewater in the continental U.S. And it also has the greatest density of whitewater in the continental U.S. And that's studies coming out of WVU recently that they're using for means for economic development. So within um, uh, uh, 
Thomas, West Virginia is the, has the highest density of whitewater runs within a 50 mile radius of anywhere else in the country. And it's over like, I think 1100 miles of navigable whitewater from 50 mile radius. And then down here in Fayetteville and, and Beckley, we're like around 900 of navigable miles. So the, not only was like my skills transferring from kayaking or from skiing to kayaking, but I had a place to be able to train and get really good. And then on top of that, there's all these kind of like niche scenes around the state of these really high performance adventure athletes that come here and just kind of hide out in West Virginia because it's really cheap and really good. And so um, then I just, I, my history in skiing, the whitewater community like really took me in. They're like, oh, okay, this kid like probably knows, knows how to get after it, right? And so then they connected me to all the right people and all the local legends and I got shown around the state and um, was able to uh, see a real magic of West Virginia that I never quite knew existed. Like growing up skiing, I was like, I need to get out of here because the mountains aren't big enough. I need to go to Colorado or California or Washington or British Columbia to really make it as a skier. But when I came back to West Virginia and I found kayaking, I was like, oh, wow, like this is the place to be if you're trying to be an extreme sport. Like athlete for whitewater kayaking and then i found other sports that, that we can chime into like climbing yeah. and things like that yeah, as i say like rock climbing i mean you can just i mean i'm a big backpacker i mean cj grew up a boy scout i mean like it's literally an outdoor mecca for for that sort of thing mm-hmm. let me ask you a quick question let me, a quick question now knowing that you because you almost described this like kind of well-kept underworld of like the professional level outdoor stuff right those like honey holes of maybe it's just like a run maybe it's a trail maybe it's a certain rock face or a river does the state you know but then trying to grow west virginia into this outdoor economic haven where we incur if we want tens of thousands of people to come also enjoy that where is the balance and like like in, is that sustainable is is there any pushback from the people that like it a little bit off the beaten path and not super popular and commercialized because like then all of a sudden you have hundreds of people in your spot that used to be a well-kept secret so like amongst that community do you see most people just full out 100 percent embracing like the wave of it or is there a little bit like a reasonable growth like mindset of like how can we preserve it cherish it love it but also help you know west virginia gain economically from it i'm sure that's a tough balance but in your circles you know what are those conversations like yeah absolutely and i'm really glad that you brought that up because that's why i've started a career in the outdoor space so when i came back to west virginia and i started recognizing how amazing it is and the people that were showing me around i was like wow there's all these like kind of just backwoods people that are just really righteous, like doing amazing things. Nobody knows about them, but they're like world-class athletes. Like there's this individual, BJ Johnson, who transformed the kayaking scene from being like this old man kind of sport to this like radical, like young, like extreme sports. And he's from Ansett, West Virginia, has first descents all across the world. And he's made the most, some of the most influential kayaking films of all time. And he's just like this really quiet guy, like stone mason kind of guy who lives in Anstead. He's one of those kinds of people, you know. And then there's all kinds of other people, like the Snyder brothers who make their own paddles and all their own gear. And they invented the freestyle kayaking. There are brothers that are in northern West Virginia on the Cheat River that invented a whole like 
kind of styled kayaking, you know, and I was like, wow, this is like so cool and so awesome. And so I really uh, was embraced by them and brought into that whole world and I lived in it. And this was before West, like the politics around West Virginia were really even considering uh, outdoor recreation as an economic driver. And so I just like lived in this really like culture rich environment for so long and like really connected back with my state in just a really um, meaningful way. When 2017 came around and the Great American Outdoors Act was being proposed, uh, when Trump was in office, uh, I was asked to come up to Washington, D.C. to speak with our senators and our congressmen about, you know, why they should support it. And I was like, you know, touching on a lot of things like this is means for being able to uh, uh, redefine like maybe um, coal communities that need like diversity in their uh, their uh, economic world. And, you know, we can really use this fund to prop up the state and some of the best parts of the states with the outdoors. It, it transformed my life and it mm -hmm. can certainly transform others. You know, that was like the gist of it. And but so I left that and I came back to West Virginia. I was like, oh, wow. Then there's the buzz of the national parks starting to take place. And I'm like, oh, dang, this is um, becoming more serious. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's like these offices coming out of WVU, like the Outdoor Economic Development Collaborative and the tourism department became um, uh, a branch of the state government. And so at all of them were all focusing on the West Virginia outdoors. And I was like, okay, this is where I need to make my stand be a part of all this growth because I don't want to see like these places that were really special to me get developed in a way that's going to like ruin the integrity and the culture of the state. And I need to play a part in it because quite frankly, like not a lot of people know of what makes the outdoors, like the culture around it really special in West Virginia because everyone's so kind of like underground and just stuck away in their little hills and hollers. So because I've had that kind of international and nationwide exposure, and then I came back to West Virginia and found like what was really special, I wanted to do my best to preserve it, but then also balance it with getting kids, you know, like meaningful ways to like express themselves and, and spend their time so that they don't get like hooked on the opioid crisis, you know, and like um, give them the, the opportunity to kind of dream bigger than just their little um, holler that they might be stuck in. And uh, just like I was when I was a kid. So there, there is that balance and there is definite pushback from the core culture saying like, hey, we don't want all our places blown up. But right. also they're pretty understanding too that, okay, this is, it's mutually beneficial if we do it right. And yeah. so that's, that's the balance that we're, you know, uh, that I try to focus on is like, how do we design and promote and um, kind of accentuate the West Virginia outdoors, but do it in a way that maintains our culture and, and those spaces. Yeah, I can tell that uh, you've thought about this once or twice about your impact, huh? <laughs> you... <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
TJ, when I'm cooking dinner, I, at this point in the evening, I've got little mental capacity left. So something that has really improved my life and made cooking dinner a breeze is using Raised Rub. Now, Raised Rub is a true all-purpose seasoning that's packed full of mouth-watering herbs and spices, 21 of them to be exact. Yeah, it's like a mouthful of flavor when that chicken, pork, or vegetables get in your mouth. When you take that first bite with raised rub sprinkled on top, or if you seasoned it beforehand, it's just like, boom, punches you right in the mouth. It's it's a delicious taste. You can get it on Raised Rub's website or amazon.com, and they just ship it right to your door, man. Brody Prodnick was a former guest. We had him on. He was awesome, and he oversees the Raised Rub operation based out of Morgantown. But, uh, man, this is a West Virginia company to its core, and we are loving to be proud partners with Raise Rub Cooper. Order Raise Rub today. DJ, one of the things that you just gotta have in life is a J-O-B. And if you're in West Virginia, I think the best place you can go is Mountaineer Employment Solutions. Now they're a premier talent acquisition agency. So that means if you're a small business, they can help you get employees. Or if you're just looking for a job, Mountaineer Employment Solutions can help you do that. Hold on, Cooper. I'm writing that down. You said J-O-B. Oh, job. Yeah, sorry. I'm not great at spelling. That took me a second to get there. But yeah, definitely. Mountaineer Employment Solutions is the way to go if you're looking for a job or for a company that, you know, if you need staffing for your company, definitely check those guys out. You can find them online. Beamountaineer.com. That's beamountaineer.com. Bill Carter found this company he's an awesome guy and he's gonna hook you up he's gonna he's genuine man he just wants to help people especially west virginia businesses so go check them out mountaineer employment solutions you can find them online at beamountaineer.com or find either of their locations in person in morgantown and in south charleston uh, so wait let me let me backtrack so uh, the the act is coming out at the end of 2019 into 2020 um, or it was the other way around the great American outdoors act ended up passing in 2020 and then kicked off in 2021 or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so they send you to DC. Did you speak with mansion and Capito or like who, or the house represented? Like, what was that kind of like? Cause you're, you've got to be thinking like, all right, this is it. I'm going to go make a difference. Like let's get yeah. these guys fired up, get this thing passed. You know, what was that trip? Like? I was actually so proud of, or the West Virginia leadership at that time, Manchin was like leading the charge on that, mm-hmm. that the, um, especially like on the democratic side, but then he was also like reaching across the aisle and getting people like Capita like brought on board to say like, Hey, like there's possibly this, I mean, they weren't saying it at the time, but I'm sure maybe behind closed doors that like, Hey, there's, you know, national park designation. We need funds to prop up the national park. We have all these other places like that momentum was like starting to take place. And when I went and spoke with him, really receptive and uh encouraging um because it was like it was proposed on the democratic side and so we needed like um for for it to be able to pass republican support like capital to support and get her side brought on and so it was a lot of west virginia leadership that made it a bipartisan bill that passed yeah. Who do you who do you think Corey like can be like I mean and maybe it is you like your your folks like yourself and groups like yourself like who is the steward of the 
like guarding against like being an over gentrified. Like I'm looking at the definition of gentrified. It's it's a formerly poor urban area being characterized by wealthy people moving in, improving housing, attracting businesses, typically displacing the inhabitants in the process. Right. Like when I I was just spent some time down in Fayetteville at the New River Gorge, and I make a point to literally ask everybody like, oh, like how's this? Like if I'm in a business, a coffee shop, or wherever, like how's this improved your business with the national park? Like I'm looking for conversations, and I hear you know, a lot of good things, obviously good people, every, you know, a lot of people coming in, that's good for a lot of businesses. Um, but some people do say, well, you know, you just can't buy a house now, or you just can't rent anything now, or you just, everything's so expensive, or the only shops here are like boutique XYZ shops. And then it's like, so what I'm guess I'm getting after is I agree that we have to do that. Like in, in terms of like Davis, Thomas, Fayetteville, Berkeley Springs, all these parts of the state, but who is the defenders of like making sure that the, the locals are not left behind or they don't get a benefit from it or all of a sudden they can't even enjoy their former land? Like, is it groups like yourself or is it like nonprofits or is it the government itself? Or like, who do you think in your opinion can help almost just like structure that conversation so it's not just a boom and then it's like, I don't know. It's just, it's it, the only people that win are outsiders, if you will. Like, mm -hmm. it, it, it's um, a combination of so many different people because there might be a leader, say in Fayetteville, that um, is with a nonprofit, but that has a voice that a lot of people listen to. And then you might come over to Beckley, and it might be someone different, maybe like um, in in the local government, or maybe it's a commissioner or something. It's 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 taken so many people um by kind of storm with this national park designation not to mention covid really um right. if you all are aware of like covid the numbers from like before covid to now with people getting in the outdoors it like boomed there's mm -hmm. one spot in the park that increased by 300 percent through covid and the national park designation 300 percent in visitation you know so it's there's it that leadership can come from so many different people it could come from just like a kayaker that um, wants to stand up and be like, hey, like, I want to make a difference. And so then, um, you know, starting like this office that started with the city, or uh, it could be a nonprofit that maybe they've never been quite into like economic development, like a watershed group or an environmental group, but because they're the ones who are facilitating outdoor spaces, then they are stepping up to like have a a part in that conversation. A great example of that is Friends of the Cheat in Northern West Virginia, where now a lot of their, they're involved heavily in economic development because they play, have always played a role in the developing outdoor spaces um, for like public use. And so it's coming from a, it, it's really like a, it's amazing to see and interesting to watch it play out because it's this kind of unprecedented moment where there's leaders rising up and we don't know exactly who the best like one maybe is for this particular type of role. And we're just kind of figuring it out as a community in mm -hmm. West Virginia. Well, I mean, quite honestly, not to be completely pessimistic, but I'm, I'm always like, I'm a little bit fearful that I don't want the same century old 
scenario to play out of what happens to West Virginia, that it becomes an extraction economy in a different form. I think we can all look at coal over the last hundred years and realize that 99% of the economic benefit probably went to the owners of the coal mines, big corporations exporting out of West Virginia. The individual coal miners make a decent wage comparatively to other West Virginia jobs, but they probably get the short end of the stick with actually having to mine the coal and all the health ramifications from that. So I'm like ever fearful and want to just continue to highlight people that are doing this with the economic outdoor development that I don't want it to just be, I don't know, just like corporate big money extracting West Virginia experiences and companies and stuff, and then just wreaking havoc and disrupting locals and West Virginians and, you know, native folks in the area or something like, I think there's a happy balance. I'd be living in Candyland if I thought it was going to be a utopia and, you know, it wouldn't be any of that. I just think every inch of like trying to get that conversation started of like, okay, what are we considering this? Are we considering that? Are, are we considering all the different factors of it instead of just a full blower of corporate money getting thrown into West Virginia? Cause I'm afraid human tendency it's what local West Virginians are going to be left behind in that scenario. Well, I yeah. kind of like what it, not to cut you off, but I like what you said that it, it almost feels like the community is starting to figure it out itself. Like instead of just having one designated person, it is good that, it is kind of taking everybody to figure it all out because then at least it feels like everybody's voices are getting heard to, to, in some respect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, and that's, um, uh, maybe like, unlike the extractive, uh, industries with the outdoor economic development, there is a balance between the private and public sector. And mm -hmm. because the private companies are trying to leverage the public lands to be able to sustain their business. So yeah, there is still a chance though that you could like gentrify that whole kind of scenario. Um, and, but I, I think that it's a little, it is a little bit more in our favor because of that private public um, that's relationship yeah. that's taking place. But for example, like in Fayetteville right now, that's where my home is in Fayetteville. There's people coming in from that have never been to Fayetteville, buying up like some of the houses in my neighborhood and turning them into Airbnbs and they've never been there. They're just like contracting it all. So I look out my door and there's like a handful of Airbnbs like across my neighborhood. Um, and some of my friends can't find places to live. So they're having to get like spread further out, uh, mm -hmm. which, which totally sucks because, you know, it's always been a really affordable place. And and that's that's the balance is like how are we going to have legislation and um, like rules in place so that those types of extractive um, uh, pieces of our culture don't take place. You know? mm -hmm. Talk to us about your work with and this kind of basically leads right into it. Your work with the the public land like advocacy and, and what, what exactly does that mean or what maybe is that through your official role with Beckley or how is that? How has that become a passion of advocacy work for you for West, in West Virginia? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I was saying in 2017, when I was invited up to D.C. To, to speak, that's when it kind of took place. So it took place on this volunteer level, grassroots level, and then it, things progressed when, it, um, when I finished up school and, and uh, finished up some of my kayaking tours um, and I was looking to start my career uh, there was a, an organization, a nonprofit called Piney Creek Watershed Association, which Piney Creek is um, the watershed of 
Beckley in one of the largest um, watersheds, tributaries that lead into the lower New River Gorge National Park. And so I, um, I got a job with them as the executive director of that nonprofit. And a component of their work was outdoor recreation. The other components was like environmental education and uh, like wetland or uh, stream restoration projects, like fish habitat type stuff. So there's like those kind of three pillars of their work. Um, the outdoor recreation was just a small part. So I did that for a long time, did uh, for a couple of years. And then as the momentum continued to grow, the conversations continued to take place, national park designation to happen, COVID, all that, then it was a really great opportunity to um, propose the idea of creating an outdoor economic development office for the city, which um, the city of Beckley is the largest population center for the New River Gorge region. And uh, um, so it was a great place to be able to, to start this type of office um, because of the capacity that can take place here. So about two years after um, my role at Piney Creek Watershed Association, I started with the city of Beckley and starting um, the outdoor economic development office. And so that took that one pillar of work that I was doing with my nonprofit work at Piney Creek, the outdoor component, and then turning it into mm. like a very focused piece um, and not just um, developing outdoor spaces, but developing it in a way that preserves culture like we were talking about and um, uh, economic development at the same time. So there's like ways you can design that, um, that uh, promotes those things. Corey, I just, I love your story for a couple of reasons because I think people go through lives, their lives and almost don't even recognize these milestone moments, like almost these epiphanies that they have throughout their lifetimes. But you can like very easily designate like okay this is a portion of my life and then I transitioned into this and then it transitioned into the economic boom or the economic development and the activism so I think your story is unique and cool because you can see those moments of where you you your life transitioned from like the next chapter to the next so I think that's very cool that you can even just pick out like where these major moments happened and how that kind of turned you into you current day thanks thanks yeah feel really lucky to be able to I guess uh follow that intuition and see like the, the pivoting moments and and then run with that you know like I think of it as like you have kind of a wave coming in and if you can catch that wave and surf that momentum for as long as you can that wave eventually is going to dissipate but then you have another wave that's going to come and you just got to pick up yeah. those. So okay great work Corey Lilly Corey Lilly's next sport surfing he just said it on here no maybe not but very cool man yeah, that's awesome yeah, man. Look, thanks. Thanks for coming on. We've been following you on Instagram. It's Corey Lilly on Instagram, guys. Check him out. Um, he's got a link tree in there with a lot of cool other stuff that he's got going on. Um, but look, man, you're you're exactly, you know, I guess I alluded to who are these people that we need to do to speak to the voice of this? It's you, man. It's people like you. It's great West Virginians like you that are not thinking about it. They're actually doing it and putting action and helping helping the state grow and preserving West Virginia uh, the way it should be. So we thank you, man. Thank you on behalf of West Virginia. I always like to do that. Don't know if I can. I don't know who granted me that power, but I do like to to thank you. Hey, well, uh, thank you all because you're doing it too. Like this podcast is great and you all are creating the conversations that need to take place. And kudos to y'all. I love what y'all are doing. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you, yeah. man.